0: off this morning, I want to mention and present the church as much as I am able to with this plaque. Like as I said when we started out, this is our mission Sunday, so we're going to take some time just to talk about some of our mission work. Um, Last year we voted uh, through ICM. This is a church that We've done a lot of work with, if you go out and look at the coat rack, there's all kinds of pictures throughout the years of churches that this church has helped build. ICM is, um, in, the, in the business of their, their mission work, is helping uh, autonomous churches across the globe actually end up with physical buildings. This is a huge um, ministry, huge importance in many of these areas where the churches are just in mud huts. Or they're falling down, they're just in houses. To give the people a, a localized um, presence in the community is huge. And it, you would be surprised in different culture. We'd have churches on every corner, but in places where none of the houses are very well built, to have a building that is actually a high quality, they have architects that work on um, good plans for these buildings. and um, all of the finances that, we, that you give, that the church gives to ICM, goes towards materials. And the congregation is responsible for following the plans and building the building on their own. So this is Brapo Church. We just got this one a few months ago. They finally they got their building finished. We gave, This is Brapo in Thailand. So sometimes uh, Thailand is in northern Thailand, from what I read, which has, is a very mountainous, very um, rural location. So there's uh, one of the guys that we um, saw at ICM Banquet was a missionary partner in Thailand. They're growing coffee and selling coffee beans. Um, you can actually find the website and you can buy Coffee from this guy's ministry, but this church here in Brapo um, recently done in Thailand. We gave nine thousand dollars to see this church built. This is close to places like Burma, Myanmar, um, Vietnam, Laos. I mean, all of this region is is just as full of unreached people groups, which we're going to talk more about. So it's important to have um, steady, consistent, solid churches. And the outer reaches of these places for the furthering of the gospel into unreached areas, um, southern China, Nepal, places like that. So this is for the church. We'll get this poet out there for the Brapo Church in Thailand. And by way of report, the other church we helped build was Tom Heap, In um, or that's how I say it, Tom Heap. In Vietnam, they are doing well. They're actually, they've uh, added, they've had 12 salvations, according to their report, from January to June of 2018. And they have three new members at their church. They haven't yet planted a daughter church. This, is, again, is in northern Vietnam. So this is, there, is, there are many unreached peoples in the northern end of Vietnam, up into southern China, a uh, very important strategic place for, for Christian churches to be established. So that this is the building we helped build. That picture is up there already, I believe. But they are continuing their work. And by way of just announcement and to draw your attention, things to be praying for, um, this past week at the board meeting, we took on two new projects. One of them is through ICM as well, which is uh, this Kana, that's how I'm going to say that. Anybody knows Spanish, they could correct me. C-A-N-A and an A with a wiggly over the top. I don't know what that means. Huh? Cana? Yeah, that's okay. That's what Tony says. There it is. In <laughs> uh, Brazil. And this, this church... Uh, Needed $16,000 and and they needed $5,000 more to finish their building. This is an area population of 11,000 people. They have 100 people in their church with no building to meet in. So we, we, we voted to give them the additional $5,000 to finish their building. Brazil is huge. Get out your globe and look at the size and the scope and the reach of Brazil. It is, it is huge. We, so we're, we have taken on this project, be praying for the people there in Brazil. And another uh, project that we have taken up is with uh, a church in Indonesia in Watusigar, I don't know. That's how I say it. Close to in Indonesia. And I'd asked Vera um, quite a while ago if she knew of Indonesia. Again, if you pay attention to our unreached people groups during the week, Indonesia is one of those places that has a lot of unreached peoples in it. And so I just asked her if she knew of any, had connections through her churches of, of, of congregations we could partner with and this place in Watusigar has, is the only Protestant church in its region. It's fascinating to look into it and to get Google Maps out. You know, if you've played around with Google Maps, you can really zero in and see where all the Starbucks and all the targets are. Well, they, they aren't at this place, but what you'll find is a diverse there's there's mosques, there's temples, there's there's all sorts of uh, of religious meeting places, and this is the lone Protestant church in the region, and their building has has been up for many years and is falling in, and they needed help uh, fixing their building. not these people. Watu um in Indonesia. So we sent money to them or are sending money to them as well to help them finish get their roof back on to be a, a steady Christian presence there in Indonesia. So we're engaged in a lot of works uh, on on the front lines I feel like of, of the missions work as much as we're able to here in south here in southern Iowa. So just take a few minutes here with me why don't you we're going to pray for these projects that we have uh, have been working on. Father, we rejoice at the opportunity, we, I confess, we are so uh, wealthy here in America. We live in, it is freezing cold outside, and here we sit hot. Um, we, we have just an abundance of, of wealth, God. We are so comfortable and cozy here in southern Iowa. and So I rejoice at the opportunity that we have, the privilege that we have with the wealth that you have given us to bless other places and places that do not have the resources that we have so that the name of Jesus Christ can be furthered. So, Father, we we pray for this Brapo Church in Thailand. We pray for the Tom Heap Church in Vietnam. We pray for the Kana uh, Church in Brazil. We pray for the church in Indonesia in Watu Sigar. God, we pray for these congregations, God, that you would strengthen them that you would encourage them, that you would increase their joy in the gospel, Father, that you would bring in good teaching and good doctrine into these places that they can raise up and they could grow and become healthy churches that are reaching their community with the only news that really satisfies, the only news that really matters in the end result, that they would reach their communities with the good news of Jesus Christ. So, Father, strengthen those congregations. We pray that as we send our money out, that, God, it would be well used and go to further the gospel for the benefit of those who would hear it. And, God, for the glory of your name across the globe. So, Father, we lift up all these projects to you. Most importantly, we lift up the people involved in these projects to you. That, Father, you would do a work in their hearts, increasing their joy in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, get your Bible out. Matthew chapter 28. we got a few texts, just three texts off the start to look at. And again, this is going to be a little different this morning. We're not going to necessarily exposit, exegete these verses, but um, show what they're, what they're really talking about and their relationship to mission. So this is Matthew chapter 28. This is page 992 or 993 of your pew Bible. Matthew chapter 28, we'll start in verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you. Always to the end of the age. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's a a certain word we're going to emphasize. Flip back a few chapters into chapter 24. Look at chapter 24 and I think verse 14. Matthew chapter 24 verse 14. This is Jesus speaking about what's going to come for, for his disciples. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Lastly, go to the middle here in Isaiah chapter 56, Isaiah 56. That's uh, page 732 in your pew Bible. Jesus quotes this in Mark chapter 11, but I want you to see Isaiah's original context. This is not something God's just been about in the New Testament. This is something God's been working at all along. Isaiah 56 verses 6 through 7. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord and to be His servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. Here's what Jesus quotes. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. We just finished a... Oh, I should do this. The grass withers, the flower fades. Word of our God stands forever. I almost had a Sunday where I didn't say that. That wouldn't have been good. Uh, so we've been going through a short series, just finished up on why church. And, and nowhere in why church have we really discussed the idea of missions. We said our sentence, if you remember it, the church exists... For God's glorification, for the people's sanctification, and for gospel saturation. Three things. Glorification, sanctification, saturation. Why the church exists. Missions wasn't specifically mentioned. But although the word mission wasn't used, if you agree in that statement that the church exists for God's glorification, people's sanctification, gospel saturation... If you think that's an accurate statement, then missions is a necessary consequence of the reality of the church. If you think that is accurate, if that's an accurate statement, then you must care about missions. In fact, I'll say this, if you don't care about missions, then you cannot affirm that statement that the church exists for God's glorification, people's sanctification, and gospel saturation. If you do not love missions and care about missions, then you cannot say and agree with the statement that we exist for God's glorification, the people's sanctification, and gospel saturation. But now, so why would I say that? What, what about this statement of the church existence Leans so heavily that if you affirm it, then missions must be something that you care about. Is it because of the gospel saturation part? Well, partially, but what I meant by gospel saturation in that statement, if you listen back to the sermon, was, was the idea that we become gospel-soaked ourselves so that we bleed out onto everything that we touch in our community, everything around us, every relationship, every time we come together, every coworker, every friend, every family member that we... Touch becomes a, a gospel saturated relationship. that was what we were talking about in the church existing for gospel saturation so yes, kind of, but we aren 't able to reach necessarily um, the people in Indonesia or Thailand or or wherever we are so Part of it, but not all of it. Is it the idea that we exist for the people's sanctification? Well, kind of. We want the people to grow closer to Christ. But the the reason why, out of this we exist statement, the reason why you must care about missions if you can affirm that statement, is because of the, the first main principle, that we exist for God's glorification. If you can affirm that the church exists for God's glory. And the, the scriptures are replete with reverences for God has done all of these things, for from him and through him and to him are all things. Glory be to God forever. If we exist for God's glory, then you must care about missions. Because missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exist because God's glory is not renowned across the face of the globe our end goal is not just missions our end goal is not we sometimes we categorize Oh, this is someone who is just interested in missions. This isn't categorizing those things in that way. If you're interested in God being glorified across the globe, then missions is something that you will care about. Our end goal is not just to get missions going. Our end goal is that the fame of God's name would spread across the globe. If the heartbeat of the church... Is for as many people as possible to hear the name of Jesus and to be saved, then missions must be a part of the heartbeat of the church. There are millions, millions across our planet who have no exposure to the gospel. Jesus said in our scriptures that we just read, that the gospel must be proclaimed to all nations. The Greek word there is ta ethne. We think nations like as though there's 159 something nations. I, I wish I could remember the number now that I'm up here, but I can't. But there's a, there's a certain amount of nations. And Christianity has reached every nation. But the, the, the term ta ethne, the Greek word there, when Jesus speaks of nations, he's not thinking nation states He's thinking people groups, every ethnic group. There's a, in, in any country, you'll have hundreds of different people groups. They share a common language, a common culture. They, they, they share these certain aspects that make them a distinct people group. And that is the reference that, that Jesus is making when he says that the gospel should go to all nations, all people groups, all peoples. Sometimes I'll pray and say things like peoples. And you think, well, Darren's got it. He's talking funny. Well, who talks like peoples? Well, peoples, what I'm meaning by that is that biblical idea of there is a people group. And so we're talking about the peoples, the groups across the globe. When it's quoted in Isaiah that that we are to his house should be a house of prayer for all the peoples, all the nations, that the church is to care for. That everyone across the globe hear the name of Jesus that they might be saved. Jesus wants this and wants to accomplish this, the, the hearing of the gospel by the nations through his church for the glory of God and the satisfaction of all people. Just to make sure this doesn't go unsaid, there is no final joy outside of Jesus. There is no final ultimate joy. There is no final satisfaction outside of Christ. And you may take a life and give it all the um, amenities that it can have and, and bring it up to a social status and make it a nice, comfortable time in this life. But apart from Jesus Christ, there is no final satisfaction. There will be no final joy. As 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, There is one mediator between God and men. It is the man Jesus Christ. One mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. Mankind, without exception, is poisoned from birth with a sin nature. We are born dead in trespasses and sins. Everyone who is a descendant of Adam is at enmity, at hatred, at anger, at war with God. And unless Jesus Christ is their mediator, the only thing they have coming towards them from God is justice. And justice is not what you want when you have wronged God which is the state of all mankind, in rebellion against God, in rebellion against nature, in rebellion against all that He has displayed for them, in rebellion. Unless Jesus Christ is our mediator by faith, then you have no mediator. And you are approaching the holy and righteous God without any mediation. That does not end well. That will not end well. John fourteen six tells us clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus speaking, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus Christ is the only way. It's important that when we read these unreached people groups on a Sunday morning, it's important to remember that their animistic beliefs, their ancestral worship Their their Buddhism, their, their Muslim faith, their Confucianism, their whatever, their beliefs will not be a saving faith. Their emulation of Buddha will not save them. The words of Muhammad will not save them. All that those religions, these pagan religions they've piled up, all of these things that they have brought to themselves will just help them continue down their path at war with God. And in the end, will end them under the judgment of God. Unless the good news is preached to them. And they hear the reality of the God who made everything that we rebelled against. Sent his son, Jesus Christ. To live free from sin, though none of us have. He lived free from sin. And what did he get? What, did he, what was his reward for living without sin? They killed him on a cross. Not for his own sins, but for the sins of all those who would trust in him. So whatever people group you are from, Indonesia, Thailand, Laos, Vietnam, southern China, Nepal, Iran, no matter wherever you are... Jesus Christ's cross is sufficient to pay the penalty for your sin. He can become your mediator. And unless they hear that gospel and believe, unless the good news of the gospel reaches their ears and repentance and faith has worked in their hearts, they will remain under God's wrath. Worship is not happening. Blasphemy and idolatry is. So, if we care that God be glorified then we must care about missions. We must realize we have the best news in all the world. How are they going to be released from their bondage to sin? We know the message they need to hear. It's not a message of get your life straight and work yourself up to please God. It is God has come down that he might rescue you and bring you to himself. Knowing all of this... The greatness of the message and the gravity of the situation, we must care about missions. And surely, we're doing a good job at this, right? We're doing a good job at this, right? And the answer is no, we are not. Statistics, a couple of questions, two questions for you. First question is do you, if you're going to give a survey, do you have access to Christian witness? Is there a church nearby? Do you have a coworker who might be a Christian? A family member? Someone nearby that is a Christian? Second question: Are you a Christian? And if you can say bo- yes to both of those questions—yes, I have access to a Christian witness, and yes, I am a Christian—if you can say yes to both of those, you are a part of one third of the population of the world, seven billion plus of us. If you can answer yes to both of those, you're part of the world we call World C. You have access to Christianity, you're around you're in a Christian kind of culture, Christian-ish culture. That's World C. 33% of the world's population lives in World C. If you have access to Christian witness, there's a church in a, in a town nearby, or some way for you to access uh, someone you know so-and-so, who knows so-and-so, they claim to be a Christian, but but your your culture is not Christian. That puts you in world B. Another, about third, this is about um, 38% of the world population lives in world B. So 33% in world C, that's us. 38% in world B, that's nations that um, aren't Christian, but they have Christian witness around them. And then the other third, 28%, is in world A. And they answer no to both of those questions. They have no Christian access. They have no churches nearby. Never heard the name of Jesus. Don't know anyone who's a Christian and aren't themselves Christian. 28%. One out of every four of the world's population lives in world A. And so just to give us a snapshot of what World A looks like, I've got a video from a missionary in Papua New Guinea that I want to share with you. This is what World A looks like. If we can get it playing.
1: All around us in the valley, leave the kimio spirits that we fear. My father taught us that the evil spirits are alive and living all around us. So we build our houses high in the mountains. We don't want the spirits to look into the house and see us and bring sickness. So we line our house with bark on the inside. If we hunt in the valley, we return quickly and always take a dog with us to protect us from the spirits. Be careful, my father would say. So the spirits don't eat you. We didn't understand the reason for death, and so we lived in fear. My father, Alimbu, killed many people that he thought had evil spirits living in them. He believed that these people were the cause of the sickness and death, and so he killed them. I followed the same dark trail. But God allowed a great sickness to come to our village, and we were all very afraid. We thought that we were all going to die. Three graves were already outside my house when God sent Jonathan and Giannis to put medicine in our mouths. To our surprise, we were soon able to sit up and look around. We hadn't died, but instead returned to life. This made me want to hear what the foreigner had to say. We invited them to come teach God's words and we celebrated with a big feast. God's spirit came and helped my heart to think. I realized that I had been living in darkness. My eyes were blinded, my mouth unable to speak truth, and my heart was blocked from understanding. I was trapped like on a pig rope, tied by Satan to my ancestor's trail. Jonathan cleared a new trail for me to follow, but it was truly Jesus who came to rescue me. When I understood the message of Jesus and how he died, it was like Jesus came and cut the rope that was tying me. I was free, free to follow his trail. I now understand that there is no other trail but the trail of Jesus.
0: So you've heard Fado's story. Won't you please pray, talk to the Lord and ask him if you can take a part in this effort to take the message of the Bible to a place it's never been. That's the organization that put this out, New Transmission. Mission. They're actually now called Ethnos 360. So with the reality of 28% of the world's population is in that region, surely we're devoting a lot of our energy towards this group. But sadly, the reality is less than 1%, 3% of the cross-cultural missionary force is working for that group of people, 3%. of our missionaries go to World C, other places where they already have churches. And that's important work to go and plant churches and to church revitalization in these regions. But 72% go to World C, 25% go to World B. Only 3% of our world's missions and mission's effort and funding goes towards World A. There it's reported that there's more money embezzled from churches than actually go towards missions in world A places. More money is stolen from churches than is going to take the gospel to places like that. Worship isn't happening. The satisfaction of the nations that is found only in the gospel isn't happening. We have the resources. The question is if we care enough to try and impact. The good news is that Christ has guaranteed to build his church. One day around the throne in heaven will be gathered people from every tribe, language, and tongue. That will happen. Christ is building his church. The question is, will we be involved in rejoicing with them on their way to that place? Practically, how do we do this? Pray. Take that insert home with you. Get a book like Operation World I can show you. Go to the Joshua Project website and find these unraged people groups and pray for them. Give. Find organizations that support this kind of work and give to them. Go. Is God calling you to answer the need of missionaries? It's possible. Lori is going to Cambodia next week. Is, is God calling you to invest and to go in these sorts of things? Don't answer too quickly. Pray, give, go, and lastly, dr- dig, dr- dig deep roots. Drink deeply of the joy of the gospel yourself. And what Christ has done. For you Get caught up in the reality. The good news of what Jesus has done for sinners. Get caught up with that yourself. Having it and letting it break your heart. For everyone outside of you. That wouldn't know this good news. Let's pray. Father help us to drink deeply of the gospel. As we take time to remember the gospel in communion. We pray father that confessing our sins and looking to Christ, we would know ourselves as forgiven, reconciled to you through the work of your son. God, may that good news capture us, inspire us, embolden us, convict us, provoke us and push us into the proclamation of that good news across the globe. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.